Spring Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another thoughtful, thrillful, <laughs> thoughtful, thankful, thrilling Thursday, friends. Torch Report 243, outside the bubble. Going to just uh, spend some time reflecting on some of the lessons learned on this trip out to Washington, D.C. It, 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 it's a lot, and I'm going to be processing a lot over the next couple of days. Um over the weekend and trying to distill and break down what I think the biggest takeaways were. But today, just want to get into the, uh, the the humanity of it all. There's so much going on in the world. It's really hard to wrap our head around, right? But the world keeps turning. And like the sands through an hourglass, these are the days of our lives. People are living in uh, all these different lives in different places and different ways. And it's it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And it's kind of mind boggling all at once. And Getting home after a fast and furious and full trip to the bustling metropolis of the nation's capital brings to me, to my heart, a very special depth of gratitude. It was uh, it was nearly midnight as I turned on to the lonely highway that would lead me out to my own little patch of paradise. No streetlights, no cars, just mile after mile of dark, peaceful road. And the sign, no gas for 65 miles caught my eye. I've driven past it thousands of million times, right? but it, it doesn't register. But I, as I saw it last night, as I was coming in, I, I wondered, well, how many people, how many of the people that I just met with, that I just worked with, uh, connected with, you know, how many of these people from any big city really have ever seen a sign like that? No gas for 65 miles and you're driving out into the darkness, you know? Uh, some have for sure, but few. And John Denver's songs, country roads, take me home to the place I belong. You know, that really, uh, it was in my mind, the soundtrack in my mind, as I was contemplating the vast differences, the differences in lifestyle, the differences in atmosphere and environment and in circumstances even, uh, that creates this disconnect between the urban areas and the rural areas in America. And it occurred to me that both sides, the those in the urban environment and those in the rural environment, both sides feel like they're in the majority. And both could both sides be right, you know? I know it sounds impossible. I've, I've been trying to wrap my head around this and try to figure out a good way to explain this, but when when I say most Americans, what do you think, you know? What goes through your mind because some people are going to immediately think about the percentage of the population. That's the most Americans. And then other people are going to be thinking about the majority of the country. And that is a huge percentage. The most Americans is, is, is the broadest geographical expanse across the country of people who, who value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For example, you look at the, the presidential election by county, you look at how many people voted for Trump or the you know all the red all across the country, and then you have just these pockets of blue in these big blue liberal cities. And even though that distinction is is real, you know both sides are right at least in some sense. You know they are right to assume that they are in the majority. And I'm, I'm trying again. I'm trying to. Feel out how to express why this is so important. It's like it's a big aha to me. But if you think about it, the majority of people voted for Hillary Clinton, but the majority of the country voted for Donald Trump. 
the contrast and the distinction could not be more clear. You know, the majority of people by population voted for Hillary Clinton, but the majority of the country by, you know, by expanse voted for Donald Trump. You know, people in the cities believe that they are the normal ones and they assume that the majority of people can relate to their uh, their experiences. And at the some, same time, people in the country believe that they are the normal ones and, and that the majority of the country can relate to their experiences. And both sides are right. And if both are not wrong, then how do we reconcile the two? Because we're in this uh, – this really, you know, challenging situation right now, right? This is a, this is a critical question when we consider the political divide between us. You know, all the talk of civil war and our countries tearing each other apart, and the social fabrics being ripped right before our eyes. And you know, we know that this is being done intentionally. Uh, we know that there are you know puppet masters up there getting us to fight against each other so that we're not turning and, and directing our. Uh, energy toward defeating those who would like to divide and conquer us. We know that that's happening, but what are we going to do about it? We have to we have to figure out a way to build a bridge between these two realities. And it is understandable that people in the cities would think and act differently than people in the country, right? I mean, it just makes sense, and vice versa. You know, it's equally understandable that people in both situations encounter different kinds of problems, and therefore they reach different kinds of conclusions. People in the city have to deal with different uh, issues. Like, hey, man, the, the sewer pipe just busted, and now you know 100,000 people can't flush their toilet. That's a big effing deal, right? And out in the country, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, my, uh, my septic tank just backed up, and I'm going to have to go dig a hole out in the woods. <laughs> it's a different kind of problem, different kind of solution. And it's because you know if we can understand that logically that there's different problems, different solutions, different conclusions. Uh, we we can also understand that people in the urban environment, in the big cities versus in the rural environment, in small town USA, they ha we have inherently different needs and desires and different ways of doing things, and that's okay because we can, in theory, you know draw upon the best of the best, you know, put our heads together to figure out as a country, what do we do to get past this point of perpetual conflict? And I think the first step in doing that is, is acknowledging these differences and accepting these differences and even celebrating these differences, or at least, you know, at the very least, leveraging our differences to our mutual advantage. There is strength in diversity. Uh, there's strength in thinking differently. There's strength in seeing things from a different angle, but only if we can communicate effectively enough to collaborate and maintain mutual respect. So if, if the diversity is just, I, I don't like the way you're doing things. You need to do things my way. And the other person says, I don't like the way you're doing things. You need to do things my way. Then there is no mutual respect and things fall apart really quiet, really fast, right? And so, you know, I, I know <laughs> as I was writing this out, I was thinking I got a good friend or two who probably thinks all of this sappy kumbaya makes them want to puke, you know, but bear with me here. Bear with me here. I'm not being a pacifist. You know who you are. Uh, despite all of these inherent differences, the sun rises and sets on us all, does it not? We all call ourselves Americans. And we do so with little thought about the legitimate differences between us, uh, what feel like irreconcilable differences at this point. You know, we assume 
that we all want what is best for our country without realizing that the best means something different to everybody. So, wow, you know, we, we are a nation that is hopelessly divided along ideological lines, and, and we really have no way of reconciling these differences when, until we come to this place and realize that freedom is the most good for most people, and then just get the hell off my property. <laughs> oh, no, but friends, you know, the, this, this lack of ability to, to see the benefit in being different, I think, or to build this bridge between the two, what seem like, you know, completely irreconcilable worldviews, if we can't build a bridge, that's the problem. If we can't understand where the people are coming from, that's the problem. If we can't figure out how to uh, work beyond our differences, that's the problem. If it's always left and right, if it's always the Democrats versus the Republicans, then that's the problem. You know, It's divide and conquer. We can't stand because a house divided against itself cannot stand, right? And do you want a future that is full of perpetual conflict? You know, do you want a future where everyone is always at each other's throats, ridiculing and attacking people who think differently? You know, that doesn't sound like much fun to me. You know, that's not the world I want my kids to grow up in. You know, that's this is this is perpetual conflict and perpetual conflict is a lose-lose proposition. And that's why live and let live and why freedom is the most good for the most people. But you know, if we can figure out how to build the bridge, if we can figure out how to fix this mess, this political quagmire, it, we're, if we don't figure that out, I should say, then we're destined to destroy what's left of our great nation and to descend into deplorable uh, – a deplorable living hell, you know, wherein neighbors hate each other, town and country are increasingly estranged from each other, and the political process only serves to escalate violence, right? It makes makes people hate each other more and more. When Joe Biden says that, you know, all the – half the country is a bunch of MAGA extremist domestic terrorists, how do you think that feels, you know? Uh, it doesn't – I mean – now you don't hurt my feelings. No, but dude, you're effing wrong, and people aren't going to just sit there and take that. So, you know, I, again, perpetual conflict, just to be blunt, you know, that sounds like a pretty shitty deal to me. I don't think that that's the, the way that we want to go about moving forwards. How about you? You know, are we destined to be stuck in ideological gridlock? Are we destined for civil war? I don't believe so. And I'm going to share a little story with you here in a minute that, uh, that will maybe shine a little bit of light on where my my heart's at this morning, where I'm coming from here. So, uh, what are we going to do? You know, are we going to take back our country? Yes, <laughs> we should take back our country. You know, I've said those words a thousand times, and I've sworn sworn an oath to defend the country that I love from enemies, both foreign and domestic. And I will fight to the death to protect the blessings of liberty for my family, friends, and future generations. But how can I win? That's the question. How can we win? If think about it like this, this is why I think about it. Um, if I walked up and just bitch slapped Mike Tyson for being a dumbass, <laughs> how do you think that would play out? You know, you, obviously his superior in force and capacity for violence would win. He would destroy me, right? On a slightly more subtle level, you might. I would like to point out that it would actually be his emotional reaction that destroyed me, but that's, we're not going to get real deep there if you can read it between the lines. Now, 
what if I walked into a honky tonk? How about the honky tonk, the one and only honky tonk in downtown, beautiful Goldendale, Washington, and shouted out loud, Reno. Everybody hears a bunch of dumbass hicks. And then I turn and walk back out the door. <laughs> How might that play out? You know, do you think the guys are just take that insult and let me walk away? Or you think a few of the good old boys would bum rush the door and give me the righteous ass beating that I deserved? You know, I know how I would handle that. (laughs) I think I know how my buddies would handle that. But, you know, I just, and I got to say, I love being at the honky tonk, by the way. I love seeing Willie on the wall. I love to, I love the live country rock and and taking shots and shooting the shit with my friends and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I love living in small town USA, having dirt on my shirt, living down a dusty gravel road and having a little mud on my tires going to get a little mud on my tires and honey just because i talk slow doesn't mean i'm stupid right i mean you guys you guys are familiar with these quotes if if you come from the part of the country where i come from the majority of the country uh i believe that the majority of the country can relate to what i just said and in fact i know that they can relate for a fact because i've lived in all four corners of this great country i've driven up and down both coasts zigzag thousands tens of thousands of miles across the heartland just to see what was out there to meet and mingle with the people and i'm telling you right now this is not an ignorant or ill-informed conviction that the majority of the country can relate to you know to being down at the honky tonk Okay, just to keep it real simple. But I also see the other side of it too. You know, after being in Washington, D.C. just recently, it's a, it's a reminder, you know, the bright lights, the big cities, bright lights, big cities, you know, the energy, the excitement, the buzz that comes from being around so many different people, doing so many different things all at once. Uh, the ability to find anything you want and have more options than you could possibly need. The big, beautiful, glistening buildings, the monuments, the chance to meet and mingle with movers and shakers who are truly giants in their respective fields. You know, the opportunities found in the cities have an inherent and undeniable appeal. I can understand that, and I can understand that's why the majority of people eventually end up in the metropolitan areas. So think about what I just said. The majority of the country likes life, you know, down at the honky-tonk, right? We like, we like the the country lifestyle, but the majority of people eventually end up in the metropolitan area. So we again, we see the divide. We got to build a bridge between the two. And uh, in in small town USA, you know, hey, live and let live to each their own, right? Uh, now, <laughs> just to kind of emphasize here, you know, the, the, or maybe I, yeah, emphasize the contrast a little bit. Part of the discussion. Uh, while I was in Washington, D.C., was how to use Twitter for political impact. And at first, when I heard that, I thought, <laughs> you got to be kidding me, you know. I had to work hard not to laugh out loud. You know, I had this smug, you know, kind of judgmental uh, condescension. I'm sure my scowl was apparent for just that instant before I realized, you know, I need to swallow my pride and listen. Because according to the people who know, who are on the ground, in the game, this is how the game is played. All of the politicians and the journalists use Twitter as their main form of communication, as in all the cool kids are doing it, you know, which I I just, oh, I bristle, I want to reject it. But it's more than that, friends. It's more than that. Can I just, you know, again, swallow my pride and listen and learn. And these are the people 
that are shaping public perceptions, all the journalists. You know, These are the people that are writing public policy, all the politicians. And if I really wanted to get in on the conversation that was shaping public perception and, and shaping public policy, I would have to learn how to play the game, right? And that's just the way it works. I don't like it, but that's the way it works. So now – Personally, <laughs> as I'm sure many of you know and can relate, you know, I've always thought that Twitter was a ridiculous waste of effing time. You know, I, I mock in my mind the people that are on Twitter all the time. Come on, people. Come on. Disconnect. You need to get in touch with the reality. Get your head out of the clouds and get your feet back in the dirt, my friends. But I can assure you, I can assure you as sure as Christmas is coming that the people who are running this country do not see it that way and they never will so who's right who's wrong who's on the inside who's on the outside of the bubble i don't know it's a matter of subjective personal perspective friends truth be told when i told the panel and when i announced out loud that i don't know anybody in town who uses twitter <laughs> and i could pretty much guarantee that none of my friends are on it and that they never ever will be the people just laughed at me like <laughs> Ah, you dumb, ignorant peasant, you know, and I said, yeah, I can laugh at myself, too. But the whole idea that I don't know anybody on Twitter and I don't think any of my buddies are ever going to be on Twitter, you know, that's about as foreign to them as the fact that I didn't have an Uber app on my phone um, and <laughs> because I figured I'd just call a cab. Right. And that brings me to a, a little story I want to share with you here to wrap up the podcast on this thought provoking Thursday, friends. When I was getting ready to go back to the airport, I was excited. You know, I'm tired. Uh, OK, I'm going to call a cab and I'm going to get to the airport. I got a couple hours to get there and it was only about six miles away. So. When I came in late at night, it was only about 30 minutes to get uh, that six miles and all that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, you know, there was a sweet lady down at the bottom of the building and 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 she called every cab company in the capital before finally convincing me that if I did not download Uber, there was no way that I was going to make my flight. In other words, it was going to take uh, – I wasn't going to make it the 6.2 miles in the two hours I had left unless I was willing to adapt and overcome. Friends, in the article there, please meet Daphne. Daphne is the sweet lady. You know, she the picture's a little blurry, but this lady saved my bacon. Daphne saved my bacon. I was beyond grateful. And uh, when I expressed my gratitude, I'm like, holy smokes, thank you so much. She, she did. She literally called all the cab companies trying to help me get a cab. Um, I asked her if I could snap a picture with it. She said, why? And I told her, well, it was because she had just helped push me into the 21st century, uh, catch my very first Uber and get home to see my family. And I got to tell you what, friends, this was a random act of kindness. I didn't ask her to call a cab for me. <laughs> That's a, you see what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's experiences like this. She just out of the kindness of her heart, she thought, wow, there's this nice, this nice man here that's not going to make it home to see his family unless I help him out. He needs to get with the program and get Uber, but I'll go ahead and help him try calling all the cabs in Washington, D.C., only to find out that nobody was available for like an hour and then it was going to take forever to get there. So now, uh, anyway, friends, it's, it's experiences like that that fill me with hope. Even though things are a little or a lot crazy right now, I know in my knower that we're going to get through this. Our country's going to figure out a way to move forward, to build these bridges and to heal our communities and, and, and to find a path beyond perpetual conflict. Our shared humanity is the solution, not the problem. 
Our differences are a strength, not a weakness. Friends, that is the message of my heart for today. I'll get back to the news and giving the liberals hell tomorrow. But if you are enjoying this podcast, friends, please do me the great honor. Take the time, find the heart, click the heart, and give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And above all else, the greatest honor of all would be if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thankful, thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you.